copy of God's Word and uh, find the Gospel of Luke, please. We'll be there in just a moment. What a special way to end the year together to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper together. And if you'll find your spot there in Luke chapter 2 as we have our Lord's Supper meditation today, uh, we're going to be, begin by looking uh, one last time at the, uh, some of the account of the birth of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And these are precious words. These are familiar words. And I think most appropriate words as we've just come through the celebration of Christmas and as we're celebrating the Lord's Supper together today and looking forward to a new year. Uh, Luke chapter 2, and I want to read verses 1 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into, into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now I want to draw your attention especially to that last verse that I just read, verse 14 where we have this group of angels uh, praising God and they're saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And so we read those words here in Luke chapter 2, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and then we lift our eyes from the page of Scripture and we look around and we look at our world. And what do we find, beloved? We find there is a lack of of peace, a total lack of peace. And from all appearances, it seems that the angels were wrong. And it appears that Jesus uh, has not done what he came to do. We don't find peace in our world. In fact, we find everything but peace. So the question is, what happened? I mean, here you have so long ago, these angels saying glory to God in the highest on the earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And we look around and we say, well, where is this peace they speak of? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you remember, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. You remember the last one? Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. But where is this peace that's spoken of here in the Scripture? Were the angels wrong? Did Jesus fail? Well, beloved, you know the answer to both of those questions. No. 
the angels were not wrong and Jesus has not failed. There are several things we've got to remember when it comes to this whole idea of peace on earth, this peace that's being spoken about. And I want to share just a couple of these ideas with you before we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Number one, you've got to remember this, not everyone will have peace. Not everyone will have peace. Those who reject the Prince of Peace will not have peace in their lives. In fact, they will never know true peace. Uh, the person who rejects the Savior of the world will not have peace here, nor will they have peace throughout eternity. And so we need to pray for those who reject the Prince of Peace. Pray for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ and, and try to reach them with the glorious news of the Gospel. You see, this peace being spoken of here, beloved, is only available through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's only available for those who will follow Him. It is for believers, this peace that we're thinking about. Jesus said it this way in John 14, verse 27. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This peace is for those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So believers are promised peace. But again, we're a believer. We're a follower of Christ. But then we look around and so much of what we see is not peace. <laughs> and so the question is, how do we reconcile this in our minds, in our hearts? Well, we've got to remember something when it comes to peace, beloved. And also when it comes to so much that we have in Christ. And it's a phrase that I want to leave with you today. And I want you to think about it. You've got to remember the already and not yet. The already and not yet. That's a very important phrase you need to remember in your Christian life. The already and the not yet. For example, when it comes to our position in Christ, did you know right now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, in Christ you are perfect. Positionally, in Christ, you are perfect already. But practically speaking, not yet. <laughs> All of us admit that, right? In Christ, we're perfect. In Christ, we're perfect. But practically speaking here, not yet. He's still working on us. And when it comes to peace, there's the already and the not yet. Let me talk to you about it in three different areas. First of all, there's the idea of personal peace. This is what we receive when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We repent of our sin. We turn from our sin and place our faith in Christ. We get what we so desperately need. We get peace with God. Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get peace with God and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that means then that there was a time when we didn't have peace with God. And in fact, that is the case. In fact, did you know in our sin, before we met the Lord Jesus Christ, we were actually enemies of God. You say, well, I was never an enemy of God. Well, yes, we all were. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And so in our sin, we were, as it were, enemies of God. And we shook our puny little fist in God's face. And we tried to build our own kingdom and do our own thing. We were enemies to God and His glory. But God loved us so much, He wanted to rescue us. He wanted to restore us into a right relationship with Him. And that's why Romans 5, 8, and 9 says, but God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath 
through Him. So we have peace with God. This personal peace. We have the peace with God. But we also as believers can have the peace of God. You know, there's, there's different types of peace. There's peace with God. We get that through salvation. Then there's the peace of God. You say, well, how do you get that, preacher? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried. Don't be fretful. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, watch this, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now listen. If you'll do that, it says in verse 7 of Philippians 4, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you're going through troubles and trials, what do you need? You need someone to guard your heart and your mind. You need someone to keep you focused upon Christ and get his peace. And if you'll do that, go take everything by prayer and asking and supplication and thanksgiving. You let those requests be made known to God. It says the peace of God, by the way, which surpasses all understanding. You may have experienced in your own life. You've certainly seen others who are going through. It seems that everything's against them, but yet there's an abiding peace in their life. The peace of God, which, you know, it surpasses all understanding. Now, these are current realities. We have these things already. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have, if we'll take advantage of the peace of God, if we take all things with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and turn them over to God. We have these already. But I said there's the already and the not yet. And that brings us to this whole idea of world peace. By the way, those two words don't seem to fit together, do they? World peace. They just don't fit. It's kind of like saying jumbo shrimp. It just doesn't go together, does it? World peace. Uh, think about it. There is coming a day, beloved, though, when all things will be set right. When there will be world peace. The Prince of Peace will come again. You know, I just shared with you Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, a lot of times we leave off verse 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, after he's called the Prince of Peace, here's what it says. Of the increase of his government and peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Hallelujah. No end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so we know there's coming a day there's going to be world peace. Even so come Lord Jesus. What a glorious day that will be when there will be world peace. Which brings us to a third realm. And that is the idea of eternal peace. And this comes back to us again. You know, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have the peace of God as we give everything to the Lord in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. But we still live in a broken world. And by the way, we still struggle with sin. Every one of us. But we have an eternity awaiting us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ where these things will not be. There will be peace forever. There will be peace forever. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what struggles and trials and, and things that you're handling at this moment or trying to handle. But I know this. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to handle those things alone. You can have this peace as you turn those things over to Him. And one day, you're going to have absolute eternal peace forever. What a glorious day that's going to be. But this brings up another thing we need to think about when it comes to peace. 
We know not everyone will have peace. Uh, We know that there's the already and the not yet. But there's another thought about peace, and it's this. Peace does not mean our lives will be easy. Peace does not mean our lives will be easy. You see, we have the peace of God, the Bible says what? When, when, when we could be anxious and troubled, in the midst of troubles and trials, we can have the peace of God. God never promised us that the Christian life was going to be all sunshine and roses. And we do a disservice to God and His Word and the truth and the Gospel if we live that way and we share that with other people. God never promised us there was all going to be sunshine and roses. In fact, He promised the exact opposite. Now, here's an encouraging word for you as you end out 2017 and get ready to go to 2018. John 16, 33, Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You say, what's 2018 going to hold for you? Trouble. Trouble. Wasn't that encouraging? Aren't you glad you came today? Share that with the workers tomorrow at your work and at school on Tuesday when you go back. Say, hey, guess what? i got a load of trouble coming this year. But don't forget the first part of the verse. We always focus on the last part. In the world, you'll have tribulation. We forget the first part, though. These things I've spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. And I love how it builds. It's like a sandwich. And so you have this promise of peace at the top. And in the middle, there's trouble. Then there's the bottom part. Did you read the last part of the verse? You remember it? But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus says, listen, you got my peace. Don't be troubled, yes. But listen, I've overcome all those things. I've overcome the world. You see, in the, in, you see the difference? In Jesus, there's peace. In the world, there's trouble. And guess what? We're in both at the same time as a believer. We're in the world right now. There's trouble. But we're also in Jesus. There's peace. Do you see the blessing, beloved? In fact, the following the Lord means that while our hearts may have personal peace and Our lives, though, may have the exact opposite. In fact, Matthew 10, 34 to 37 is a very interesting passage of Scripture. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said is in Matthew 10, 34 to 37. Talking about peace. He says, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. What? What? Let me read that again. Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's what the Bible says, by the way. Now, wait a minute. How can this be? We just read the angels say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then Jesus says, Listen, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. What in the world? Well, you've got to keep reading, keep it in context to see what he's talking about. If you keep reading in Matthew 10, 34, and then you go to 35 and 36, 37, he talks about this. Listen. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So what, what is he saying there? Is he saying that God wants me to turn against my parents? That God wants me to turn against my children? That, that's why Jesus came? So I turn against my family? No. That's not what he's saying at all. 
In fact, I love the way John MacArthur said it. He said, though the ultimate end of the gospel is peace with God, the immediate result of the gospel is frequently conflict. Conversion to Christ can result in strained family relationships and persecution and even martyrdom. See, it's not the idea that you are turning against your family members or loved ones. It's the idea that if you follow Christ, they may turn against you. I love how God orchestrates things. I did not uh, study for Sunday school until after this message was done. I find it interesting the way God has pieced this together today. This morning was all about martyrdom and Stephen, the first martyr, and following Christ and standing for Christ and God's grace. And then we come to this, and we know that conversion to Christ can result in strained family relationships and persecution and martyrdom. And, and MacArthur said following Christ presupposes a willingness to endure such hardships. Though he's called the Prince of Peace, Christ will have no one deluded into thinking that he calls believers to a life devoid of all conflict. The reality is to follow Christ may mean that, uh, listen, you're going to have more trouble than you would otherwise. That's encouraging, isn't it? Come to Jesus. Get more trouble. But see, if your focus is there, you've missed it. Because when you come to Jesus, you get what? You get his peace. Peace with God. The peace of God. The promises of God. Eternal life. Someone was mentioning, I was, uh, remember I was reading or listening to a message, talked about the fact that following Christ means more responsibility. Do you ever think about that? Your lost friends today, they're not in church. They're sleeping in. They're getting ready to cook out. They got more money than you do because you give your money to the church. They don't have those commitments. But see, beloved, they also don't have peace. The Bible is true, is it not? It says that the pleasures of sin are for a season. And by the way, can I just tell you, sin is fun for a season. If it were not fun, people wouldn't do it. Temptation is there. It looks great at the beginning. Why? Because Satan doesn't show all his cards. I told you before, it's like the, the bait in the water and the fish looks at it, it looks great, but there's always a hook in it. There's always a hook. And so what I'm saying, beloved, is realize that following Christ is not sunshine and roses. Following the Christ will literally cost you your life. Because we're to give our life to Christ. And then for some, it literally means they're going to physically give their life to Christ. But in the midst of this turmoil and troubles and problems, we have the peace of of God and peace with God. You see, what I want you to remember today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper is truly Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But there's the already and the not yet. We're already experiencing a lot of that peace. But we've, we're not yet experiencing the full reality of it. In fact, beloved, I can't even get my arms wrapped around heaven because we live in a broken, sinful world. And I'm a sinful person that's been saved by God's mercy and grace. And I struggle with temptation and sin every day, just like you do. 
and, and I look around me and there's there's no peace, is there? It's just there's brokenness and there's tears and there's hurt and there's pain and there's disease and there's war and there's sorrow and there's weeping and there's hopelessness all around us. And we know the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when I think about heaven and I realize there is no sin, there is no temptation, there's no struggle, there's no sorrow, there's no weeping, there's no hopelessness. There's peace. So thank God today that we have the already peace with God. The peace of God. But thank the Lord today there's the not yet we're looking forward to. And we say even so come Lord Jesus. So here's my encouragement for you. And that is don't grow discouraged. Rejoice in Christ today. Remember what he says in John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. We don't know what 2018 holds for us, but we know who holds 2018. And we know who holds us. And so I encourage you and me today. To hold on to him as he holds on to us. Father, thank you for the promises that you've given us in your word. Thank you, Lord, that through Christ we can have peace with God and we do have it. And thank you, Lord, if we'll follow your word and obey and cast all of our burdens upon you, we can have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And Lord, I thank you for those promises that we're holding on to that one day there'll be perfect peace. There'll be world peace and eternal peace because the Prince of Peace will rule forever and ever. And Father, I pray today if anyone's here who does not have peace, they know that they are lost. They know that they've sinned. They know that they are cut off from fellowship with you. I pray your Holy Spirit to convict them and open their eyes they may behold the Savior. And they would turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ alone. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today that have peace with you, but I pray today in the midst of whatever it is they're experiencing that they would have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Father, help us. We're so foolish at times because we give a burden to you and we say amen and we stand up and take the burden right back. I pray that you would help us to lay the burdens at your feet. And Lord, we would walk in your peace, trusting you in faith and walking with you in obedience. Lord, search our hearts as we come to this special time. Thank you that you knew that we needed reminding. And so you gave us the Lord's Supper. To help us to constantly be reminded of what Christ did for us. His body which was broken. His blood which was shed. And Lord, even through remembering what He's done for us, remember that He's coming for us. As often as we do these things, we do show the Lord's death till He comes. 
And so, Father, I pray that you would help us today as we partake of these elements to think about the fact that we have peace, that Jesus really is the Prince of Peace. Prepare our hearts now, I pray. Help us to come with clean hands and clean hearts and clean minds to eat of this bread and drink of this cup. I want to give all of us a moment or two to just allow the Lord to search your hearts and if you need to confess anything, get right, just to prepare your heart to this time of worship. So I'm allow myself that time and give you that time right now to talk to the Lord and prepare your heart.